As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to the Guys and Dice podcast. This is Dustin, and I have Rob on the phone with us, and we are here to tell you how much we hate Virginia Tech right now. Um, the news came out yesterday that our game, our season opening with them next week was postponed because they can't handle their COVID cases. Rob, how are you feeling about it? Definitely disappointed, man. And um, definitely something we'll dive into. But yeah, I mean, it's it's frustrating to know how much effort, you know, this Virginia football program, you know, starting at the top all the way down in the players put into being prepared for this, you know, game and to be ready and healthy and you know, it, it's certainly a disappointing development um, to have that come out yesterday um, from your rival. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about our feet. There's not really much to talk about. I mean, we have rescheduled some games. The Virginia Tech game has not been rescheduled yet, but um, we're gonna talk about the outcomes of that, and we're also gonna talk about some good news. There is some good news on the basketball front. There hasn't been much basketball news recently. But we just got a commit last night from uh, New Zealander Tane Murray. We're going to talk about him and what he brings to the table. But first, I want to talk about our sponsors, Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football is back starting today. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any space online you can get on in their season opening bonus today and start off by wagering on win division and championship futures now head to betonline.ag today and take full advantage of all the great sign up bonuses bet online your online sportsbook experts uva football is the softest bunch of cream puffs bow tie wearing brie cheese eating nascar wearing wussies i've ever seen in my life I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. Before we get into it, I wanted to talk about just football being back. And uh, yesterday, I know you watched a lot of games yesterday. I watched a lot of games yesterday. How does it feel, Rob, to have football back in this country? Dude, well, I mean, it's obviously amazing. Like, you know, I think America loves football. <laughs> like, no question. Uh-huh. And, you know, it was kind of kind of a weak slate yesterday, admittedly, as far as the college games go. You know, you and I, we got into um, Texas-San Antonio and mm-hmm. – I think it was Texas state <laughs> like yeah. that actually was a great game, but you know, there wasn't a lot of high profile games and, you know, I'm even seeing, you know, people put Georgia tech on their ballots for top 25 now after they're beating Florida state, just because there's 
so few teams out there right now. And the SEC doesn't start till next week. Um, we'll see what the Big Ten development comes out with recording this um, early Sunday afternoon. So that could come out later today. But, dude, yeah, I mean, it was fantastic. And it's obviously different. You know, people are wearing masks. The stadiums are more empty. Um, and, you know, you're even dealing with roster size limitations for a lot of these teams. You know, I mean, I think Georgia Southern had 33 players that didn't dress for their game. So it's a different world. But, you know, I think what we've seen, at least so far, is that when the proper protocols are put in place, you know, it looks a little different, but it can happen. So it was really exciting to see that yesterday. So what you're saying is when your team actually cares, you can actually play football. That's interesting. Yeah, so maybe interesting. maybe that uh, is a little relevant to one program <laughs> in the state of Virginia. Right. And I, you know, I agree with everything you said, although I will say that there were some, uh, up, some big upsets yesterday. Georgia take over FSU. Uh, we watched that. That was exciting kind of at the end, even though it was a super boring game for most of the time. The, uh, the game at the end was really great because Georgia Tech pulled it out, held FSU on that fourth down. The FSU fans were, were so upset. And, uh, it, you know, we've been there losing to a bad team. But, <laughs> but you know, first game uh, for the new head coach at Florida State, Mike Norvell, and, you know, it didn't go great. So that's not good. Kansas got walloped by Coastal Carolina. Uh, the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana beat out Iowa State on the road. So, you know, a lot of great games yesterday, actually, for, for you know, the teams that were playing. Yeah, I mean, it was it was fun, man. I mean, you're hopping back and forth on channels that, you know, you're not really used to. We don't have the SEC game of the week yet, but, yeah, I mean, it was fun, man. It's And, you know, just looking at NFL today, you know, I'm excited for my Washington football team. I know your Saints have mm -hmm. a big matchup today. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely really exciting to, you know, get back into, you know, some sense of normalcy here, at least when it comes to sports. Yeah, for, for everyone, we're recording this at, like, 1230, so we're trying to, like, like speed through our emotions with regarding tech so that we can watch this this football coming up um so, so let's get right into it just because you know i don't think i'm not hiding how i feel about this i i took to twitter yesterday morning and saw that you know virginia tech canceled or postponed their game with us because they did not feel like they could compete with how many covid cases they had and I was just really disappointed in that because, as you said earlier, our players, our coaches, our staff have been doing everything that they can to not spread COVID. Um, we haven't had any positive tests in the last six rounds of testing, and I've been super proud of our program for doing that. But uh, the other program down the road has not had that level of dedication to this Rob how do you feel about the news that when it came out yesterday I mean I was so disappointed man and you know this this UVA Virginia Tech football rivalry has really developed over the past couple of years you know it's been competitive games you know Fuente and Bronco actually have a bit of a history from their previous coaching stops and rivalry games you know they kind of brought that same energy to this rivalry um, especially over the past couple of years. And it's something that I look forward to every year. I mean, especially now uh, that the Virginia football program has taken a step up from where it was, you know, five, 10 years ago. And, you know, these games are competitive. I think the most frustrating part isn't so much 
the COVID outbreak itself. You know, we know that we're still in a pandemic, you know, we're still working from home. Um, you know, it's the world isn't back to normal. I think the frustrating part is to see just the stark difference and how these programs handled the pandemic. You know, Virginia was very transparent. They released their testing every week. You know, the football team hasn't had a positive test. I think it was since July 3rd. So it's been over two months. Mm -hmm. Um, You contrast that to the way it's been handled down in Blacksburg. Virginia Tech does not release their COVID test results. And, you know, going back to the Caleb Farley decision a couple months ago, Caleb Farley was very upfront that the reason he was opting out is because, you know, A, he did want to prepare for the NFL draft, but B, you know, the protocols at Virginia Tech weren't up to par. And, you know, he was talking about people, you know, having hundreds of people in their indoor facility, you know, practicing, no one's wearing a mask, no protocols are being taken seriously. And, you know, you could see that kind of trickle through the program over these past couple of weeks. And, you know, looking at how Virginia Tech, um, you know, described it last week, Justin Fuente said, yeah, like, you know, if we wanted to field a team, I don't think we could. And, you know, it was almost convenient that NC State had to cancel on them. Um, because I'm not sure if Virginia Tech would have been able to play against NC State either had they not canceled that game. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just very frustrating to see, you know, an organization like UVA's that's so built on protocol, so built on accountability and discipline um, from top to bottom from its players and coaches, and to see that stark contrast in Blacksburg where, you know, I think outbreaks will happen and schedules will have to get flexed, but it's not so much that. It's more so that, this was so preventable for Virginia Tech. And the fact that they didn't take, get as seriously as UVA did um, was certainly so frustrating for players, fans, and coaches. I, I really like how you said that, you know, you what, we are in, still in the pandemic. You know, Virginia Tech did have their students back on campus two weeks ago. So they, they've had more interactions with people, more opportunities to slip up. You know, UVA students just came back uh, last week. And so I think that, you know, we, we might see some cases start to rise. You know, it's it's inevitable. I read somewhere, you know, that it's frustrating because it was preventable, but not all the cases that are going to happen are going to happen because people messed up or weren't following protocol. Like sometimes the virus is just going to happen to some or someone's going to catch the virus, even though they were doing everything right, you know, wearing a mask, washing their hands, using hand sanitizer social distancing i think that it's going to happen no matter what so we are going to see some people some teams not be able to play the very frustrating thing for me was that virginia tech had to postpone it because of that and i'm not even convinced like they one have not released their numbers yet and they don't release who has it and stuff like that which you know not releasing who has it i think is fine because that's a privacy issue, but not releasing their numbers is frankly kind of sketchy. And I don't under quite understand why that's happening. I don't know of any other ACC team that's not releasing their numbers to the public. And I've, I frankly don't understand that decision because we don't know how many people have it or who has it or what units have it. We really have to speculate on why this is happening. Now there have been rumors floating around that, uh, Hooker, their presumable starting quarterback, uh, was one of those people who was going to be unable to play. Uh, some other people on the offense were 
were rumored to have it and not be able to play. So is Tech canceling because they actually can't field a team or are they canceling because some of their big-time players wouldn't be able to play in that game? And that's what's frustrating because if you if you have a player that's injured, if your star quarterback gets injured in a game, you can't just postpone the game the next week even if it's a rivalry game, right? I think that people are going to have to you know, start to realize that not every game is going to be able to be made up. So you've just got to play with what you've got. As you said, Georgia Southern had 33 people on their team, right? You can still play with that, even though it's not ideal. Uh, if you want to have a season, you're going to have to play with what you've got. And for me, that's the frustrating part is that it doesn't seem like tech is willing to do that. Yeah. And I mean, that's why it's so important for to be transparent with the numbers and the number of cases and, you know, how many are, you know, within each sport, just kind of like UVA is doing. Um, because, you know, there are roster size limitations, you know, I think one of the rules that I was reading about earlier today was that, you know, the ACC decided you have to have at least seven offensive linemen, you know, be able to dress in order to feel the team. So I think, I don't think those have gotten a lot of press and, you know, I can't speak too much to what these other roster rules might be, but there are rules in place. Now, you know, not to say Virginia Tech is, you know, fudging their numbers or looking for a competitive advantage, but, you know, you can't kind of squash those rumors until you release your numbers, until you're transparent about your process and show everyone else that you're taking it seriously. And, you know, I think that's so much of what the frustration was um, for the Virginia staff. You know, I woke up Saturday morning and, you know, saw, saw the players, you know, obviously disappointed, but, you know, the coaching staff was really as vocal as they could be about it. You know, mm -hmm. 2J had a tweet where he basically said, you know, it's, you know, you're either taking it seriously or you're not. And, you know, kind of a reference to Virginia Tech, you know, Martin Wise, uh, former offensive lineman for UVA, he had to medically retire this off season, but he was the one who released the picture of the Virginia players and the masks holding the cup. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Virginia was just really upset and as they should be because they've been transparent, you know, Bronco has taken this head on as have the rest of the players and, you know, to just not have that transparency on the other side for a game that, you know, Virginia tech has been talking up for a while too. You know, we've been talking up the rivalry and so has tech and, you know, to kind of see it play out the way it did, is just super, super frustrating for all involved, especially those on the UDA side. And the other thing is that, you know, our staff, our players and our coaches have all been sacrificing so much. They have not been able to, especially, you know, thinking about the players, uh, these young men, you know, from 19 to like, you know, however, what the oldest, 23, 22, maybe, you know, they've sacrificed so much. They're not able to see people outside of their football team. They, they are locked in their rooms when they're not practicing or in a meeting or something like that. They have to do so much, and they've been in this way for, for a while now. And it's been really tough for a lot of them. You know, I think, you know, we talk about mental health with players. You know, players in the NBA bubble have been speaking out about how difficult it's been for them. You know, NBA has finally started to allow them to bring family in because it's been really tough without seeing their families. Our, our football players are doing the same thing, and we have to be aware of that when we're talking about, you know, what they're going through in order to play these games, and that was taken away from them. It wasn't even their fault. You know, it's not like they they were doing their best. They did everything correctly, and the other team 
did not do everything correctly. And, you know, whoever's fault that is, whether players were not following protocols or the coaching staff at Tech was not implementing or 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 um, disciplining players who weren't following protocols or if staff members weren't following protocols, I, did, I don't know. And, we of course, we don't know because there is no transparency there. It's just it, – if I feel terrible for – the UVA football team because they did everything they needed to and they're still not able to play the game they love. Yeah. I mean, couldn't have said it better myself. Transparency solves this whole issue. And it was one of those things where we knew Virginia tech was taking this as seriously as the UVA program was. And they came out and they said, Oh, you know, we're not able to play, you know, here's why, you know, we had, you know, I mean, there's rumors circulating in order to not be able to field a team, if that's the reason the game was canceled, you know, you're talking about a mass number of players affected by either positive tests or contact tracing. So, you know, think about that Tennessee scrimmage last week where it was something like nine players, I think, had positive tests, but through contact tracing, it was like between 40 and 50 players who couldn't dress for that scrimmage. Mm-hmm. You know, if that is truly the reason why the Virginia Tech game was canceled, then you know, it probably was a somewhat similar situation. You know, again, we don't know. We're just guessing. But if you want to be taken seriously and, you know, there's been some articles written, you know, obviously Virginia has kind of been more in the face of the Virginia Tech uh, players and program about how seriously they're taking this. But, you know, if you want to avoid that, just be transparent. You know, that's what um, that's what really solves all of this. And I'm actually very surprised that, you know, the NCAA has somewhat limited oversight over this. You know, they're not, they don't have full and total authority on that, but I'm surprised the conferences haven't made that a requirement. You know, the ACC, you know, in this instance saying, Hey guys, like you need to release your numbers because it obviously has such a big effect on the season. And we're probably going to see a pretty dynamic schedule. You know, we've already scheduled Duke as our opener moving that game. So, you know, it's it's just such a big part of this season. I really think programs need to be transparent about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I really think – I think programs should take that initiative. But, you know, at this point, seeing how some programs have not, I really think the ACC should step in as well in these conferences and making that, you know, kind of a required transparent process. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've got a question for you, and it deals with tech disclosing that they do not – basically didn't want to play with who they had and i'm gonna keep saying that until they actually release some numbers for us but they didn't want to play with who they had do you think that uva should work to reschedule this game because it's not going to be easy to reschedule it um it would have to be in december probably at this point unless some other teams move their stuff around or do you think tech should have to forfeit that game because I've seen that as well. And I kind of go back and forth on this one. I see both sides of the argument. How do you feel about that? You know, it's you're right. I mean, there's certainly two edges to that sword. Um, you know, the ACC championship game will be played either December 12th or December 19th. The ACC intentionally uh, left that flexibility in the date just for this purpose, you know, to have an extra week at the end. Um, if you need to reschedule games, then push the championship to the 19th and you have the week of the 12th to schedule games. You know, tech fans, and it's tough to say, you know, how the program is approaching it, but there's been ideas floated of how, um, you know, based on open dates of 
opponents, how the schedules could get shifted. So maybe you're able to squeeze the UVA Tech game in November or whatnot um, instead of December 12th, if that's the option they choose to go. You know, it, it's really just semantics at the point. You know, I think I think ESPN and the press releases, everyone's making it very clear, you know, this is Virginia Tech. Like, this game is not happening because Virginia Tech is not able to get out there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as far as forcing a forfeit, you know, I still really want to see this game. You know, I'm bitter with Tech about how this happened, but I still want to see the game. Um, but, I mean, you know, I'm not sure UVA should be moving mountains either to try to move opponents around and fix their schedule so it aligns with Virginia Tech just because Virginia Tech doesn't want to play on December 12th. So, you know, it for me, I, I don't really have a side on that. I want to see it happen, but, you know, if the game doesn't happen, whether it's counted as a forfeit or not, you know, UVA still holds the cup and everyone knows that this game did not happen because Virginia Tech was not transparent and or did not take the virus as seriously as they could have. So that's kind of where I'm falling on it. What do, what do you think? Yeah, and, you know, I once again, I see it from both ways. You know, people are saying that Tech should have to forfeit because they they didn't want to play the game with the players they had. The people saying that Tech, that they want to play the game and, and you know, keep this rivalry going. People saying that, you know, um, that they want to play Tech at full strength, so best to push it back anyway. There's just a lot of ways to think about it, and in the end, I would once again prefer to play tech at full strength and win um but if they're gonna pull this crap and not disclose information because of how because they just don't want to um i think it's perfectly fair for them to forfeit the game and i think that that might have to happen i would strongly push for that to happen if we are unable to reschedule in fact uh, i would like to reschedule the game i would like to play this game but if we can't find a time or a place to reschedule the game for some reason it doesn't work in December. You know, I think, I think we look back and we say tech needs to forfeit that game because we were ready to play. We had the numbers and if they're doing it just because they didn't want to play with who they had, that's annoying. Now, if it comes out and they, they couldn't play because of, you know, they didn't have enough offensive linemen or, or, you know, if it's a numbers thing, like all of their players were sick, that's, perfectly understandable but we don't know that yet and they're playing this stupid game with us where they don't tell us what's actually happening so until they do i'm under the mindset that they should forfeit that game which would be super embarrassing for them yeah that's just how i feel i i totally get that i mean it's so frustrating too and i mean you see the emotion with the players you know there's been a lot of kind of subtweeting going on from the players and you know charles snowden was kind of the more upfront of those players, you know, Trey Turner, a terrific player in his own right for Virginia Tech, you know, saying we're ready to play. And Charles Snowden, you know, an equally impressive player for UVA coming out and said, no, you weren't, <laughs> you know, you weren't ready to play. Um, so, I mean, you see that emotion boil over and, you know, part of me does, you know, the one positive or one kind of light on this is, you know, I do like how emotional this rivalry has become. You know, I do like that players are getting up for this game and fans are getting up for this game because for so long it was kind of an afterthought. So I do appreciate that. But, you know, I think we have every right to be upset, um, you know, at the Virginia Tech program. And, you know, David Teal, he wrote a column yesterday. And, you know, one of the more respected sports writers, not just 
in the state of Virginia, but nationally. And his stance was, you know, we're in a pandemic. Uh, you know, we probably should focus less on the blame game. And I think that I think that holds more merit if Virginia Tech was transparent and they made sure everyone knows that they were taking it seriously. And I think, as we've kind of said, I think that's really the most frustrating part here. Yeah, and, you know, once again, we want to reiterate that, you know, we, we understand the pandemic is still going on. Life is not normal. There are certain things going on. There are certain ways we have to deal with life right now, wearing a mask, social distancing. Uh, the frustrating part for Rob and I is that we don't exactly know why Tech canceled their game other than that, that you know, a doctor said that they weren't able to or that, um, or that they didn't have the personnel that they necessarily needed or wanted to get on the field with. So that's where our frustration is coming from, as well as the frustration that our players who have worked super hard have not are not going to be able to showcase what they've been working for for another week, and they won't be able to do it against uh, our rival, our in-state rival, for you know who knows how long. So that's where we're coming from. That's where our frustration lies. Rob, is there any is there any last thing you want to say regarding the uh, tech cancellation? Nothing other than the fact that um, Virginia did move, as we've referenced, uh, the Duke game. So they will open against Duke on, uh, I think it's the 20, is it the ninth? It's the 26th, I think. So they will open against Duke on the 26th uh, rather than having to wait till October 3rd to open against Clemson. So that's at least a positive development. So we'll at least see Virginia football in, you know, about two weeks rather than three weeks. And, um, yeah, I'm excited for that matchup. Broncos 4-0 against David Cutcliffe since he's been in Charlottesville. Um, although I will say, watching Duke against Notre Dame yesterday, Chase Bryce looks pretty sound. I think it's definitely a better Duke team than the 5-7 and team they put out last year. So I am excited with that development, and that could be something that becomes more frequent is you know moving schedules around um, to accommodate games that can't be played. So... I'm excited to open against Duke and, you know, it's frustrating going from, Hey, we open against Georgia to BMI to Virginia tech to Clemson briefly there for a couple hours. And now Duke, <laughs> you know, it's, it's frustrating all around. Um, but I, I am excited for that Duke opener. So we'll get that here in about two weeks, you know, if everything checks out with, within both of the programs, you know, I'm going to say the only one of those teams I wasn't really excited to open against was Clemson because I feel like that game's kind of just out of our reach anyway but you know opening against Georgia was super exciting in the Chick-fil-A kickoff uh, opening against VMI was gonna be exciting because you know we're gonna be the beat the brakes off of them hopefully opening against Tech was great because it's a rivalry game and in-state and you know we won last year for the first time in f forever so that was gonna be great Clemson then came Cle it was Clemson for a little bit and it was just like okay we don't start playing until October <laughs> We're going to play national runner-up Clemson with Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, and they just uh, crushed Wake last night. So, yeah, I, I wasn't looking forward to that. But playing Duke will be good because I feel like we, um, you know, we've had good success against Duke in the past couple of years, uh, especially our secondary has had good success against Duke. And, you know, I think that'd be a well-matched game based on the skill sets of both teams. So I'm just uh, I'm just excited. I'm excited for that, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, no more COVID cases uh, in the ACC. Hopefully, Tech can get its uh, 
program on track and hopefully uh, with the start of in-person classes for UVA that our players stay safe, stay distant, and there are um, hopefully little or no positive COVID cases on our football team. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, you know, I, I don't know how much more we can talk about that, but there is some exciting news in the Virginia program, and that's a new basketball commitment. Yes, and before we get to talking about our new basketball commitment, I want to talk about our sponsors, Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on win, division, and championship futures now. Head to betonline.ag to take it full advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And we also are sponsored by Manscaped. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light, so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. They also just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. The Shears 2.0 nail kit allows you to pluck your eyebrows and trim your nails in style. On their website, you'll also find the Crop Preserver and Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant and Moisturizer. This will help you tame that summer swamp with natural hydrators and antioxidants. You'll also find the Crop Reviver, a testy toner that's like having cologne that is designed for your balls. We won't judge you if you catch you sniffing yourself. Go to manscaped.com and check out some of these life-changing products. And in fact, listeners of the show will get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. It's time to grab 2020 by the balls and by shaving off that front trunk. I think that's the perfect transition into basketball. I think so, too. Grab it by the balls. And we're grabbing uh, – Tony's certainly grabbing recruiting by the balls by getting a uh, presumed four-star from Tane Murray. And this happened at 2.30 last night. Tane Murray is from New Zealand, so he didn't just stay up till you know, past midnight for no reason, but he is from New Zealand, so it was already Sunday there. He committed to the Hoos over Stanford and Maryland. He will be in the 2021 class. And uh, it's exciting to have some positive basketball news. Rob, how do you feel about it? It's really exciting, um, number one, just because this Virginia recruiting game on the basketball front has been kind of dragged out by the pandemic. You know, we typically have players committed by now. You know, at times we have large amounts of the class committed by now. And, you know, Tony Bennett has been going after some really high caliber players that, you know, totally understandable you know with it still being a recruiting dead period have you know decided to extend their timelines you know you think about trevor keels you know virginia's really battling there with duke and villanova um you know big man Afton reed is also another player trey uh kaufman another guy so to finally get some positive news and the commitment here is really exciting and tane murray isn't one of these names that's been you know dragged out you know virginia got involved here a couple months ago um, and, you know, admittedly, you know, Maryland and Stanford had been involved with him longer. Um, but from what we understand, what really sold Tane Murray on UVA was, you know, the way they've used similar players. You know, I think the best comp for him 
right now, just looking at his highlights, is probably Joe Harris. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can think of him in a Kyle Guy role as well as a more recent player. Although Tane Murray is a bit bigger. Right now he's six foot five, uh, 190 pounds is what he's listed at. So a bigger shooting guard, and that's what it'll be. You know, he can play, you know, a bit of the point, but, you know, expect him to be a two guard in UVA system, maybe a three, depending on lineups. But, you know, combo guard, you know, the recruiting services largely do not uh, rank and give ratings to international players until they've committed to a college program. So right now there's not a ranking out on him, but the consensus is that he's probably going to fall somewhere in that 50 to 60 range in this class, which, you know, when you think that, think kind of Ty Jerome, think kind of Casey Morsell rating. Mm -hmm. So he's certainly a really, really exciting player to add to this class. And, you know, hopefully the first of more to come, you know, Virginia still has two open scholarships in this class. Um, So it's really exciting development. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as Rob was saying, this, this was kind of dragged out for a while because the live, the the live spots um for recruiting were shut down due to covid so there's been kind of a weird time where coaches and players haven't really been able to meet coaches have been able to see players play in person um they could have definitely done those zoom calls so in fact i think it's like almost an advantage to these international players who might you know get more or have the same kind of footing as these u.s players because they're being recruited in the same way now um, so, and as Rob said earlier, UVA was kind of late to the Tane Murray party. Stanford and Maryland were way ahead and, uh, UVA came in and kind of at the last second and scooped him up. It feels good to be the program that scoops up someone now, you know, uh, we scooped, uh, Kihei from UC Riverside, I think. And of course we scooped, uh, Tane Murray from either Stanford or Maryland. So it feels nice knowing that UVA kind of has a, a bigger um, net to catch the people that we want. Um, if you haven't already, I would highly suggest reading the Who's Got Next article on uh, Locker Room Access. He, they do a great job of breaking down who Tane Murray is, what his game is like, and also uh, what he's going to bring to the table, as well as future um, future recruiting for UVA basketball. And as Rob said earlier, Best comparison to Tane Murray right now is Joe Harris. Joe Harris actually came in to UVA 6'5", 200 pounds. Tane Murray is 6'5", 190, and he shoots probably just as well as Joe did. Um, he's playing in a professional league in New Zealand, and he shot 44% from three in that league, averaging 17.5 points per game as well. And that's no easy feat. I mean, this guy, this kid is... Um, playing against grown people Isaiah Wilkins plays in the same league that he does so or played in the same league that he does and he's not playing for money because he's still keeping his amateur status so he can go to college but he uh, did really well in a league that was dominated by older players more experienced players so it's good to see that yeah he's certainly a talented player one that you know as Virginia was filling out this class they were really looking at adding kind of a guard, a wing, and a big man. So you kind of get your guard now with um, Murray. That said, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this affects the uh, Kiel's recruitment. You know, Kiel's is a shooting guard, you know, pretty much a top 20 guy nationally. Um, so he's really probably looking to play a pretty similar role in the Virginia, you know, basketball program as Murray would be. So Virginia is kind of, in lockstep right now with Duke and Villanova on that front. Um, 
So it'll be curious to see how this happens. You know, Keels is a player that's too good to pass up. You know, mm-hmm. he, I'm not saying he's a one and done, but he could be a two and done or a three and done, you know, really, really solid player. And, you know, from what I'm reading, Virginia probably has a slight edge over Villanova right now with him. Um, and he's also considering Duke. And when you think about Duke and Virginia, they're kind of two totally different approaches to the game. So it's, it's really kind of choosing one side or the other. So it'll be interesting to see how this recruit or this commitment affects the recruitment of Keels and how his decision making unfolds as well. Um, but we're going to start seeing ripple effects here and even ripple effects into the 2022 class. Now that Virginia does have at least one shooting guard locked down, you know, how does Virginia begin to approach 22 um, as far as going and giving offers? And it should be said that so much of this has been changed by the pandemic and the dead period. Tony Bennett and his staff are really, really, you know, probably emphasize more than most programs of seeing players in person before giving a commitment. And typically Tony Bennett, you know, he delegates some things to his staff, but typically Tony Bennett wants to see the player himself in person as well before giving out the commit or giving out the um, offer. So obviously all of that has changed. So it's, it's a different dynamic now, but now that kind of the first domino has fallen in this 21 class, it, it'll be really interesting to see kind of how the rest of the class shakes out because it is a bit of a different dynamic now. Yeah, so as as Rob was saying, you know, how does the rest of it shake up? So for 2021, we still have two open slots um, to have people come in, and that leaves us, you know, with two extra slots uh, are two slots to fill in with probably more recruits, maybe some transfers if we don't get the recruits we want. Uh, Rob, you mentioned Trevor Keels. We are in the final three with uh, with him, with Villanova and Duke. It's interesting to think about because the other recruit, I think it, you know, recently we haven't been able to go toe-to-toe with Duke in recruiting, uh, but recently that's changed, especially you think back last year to Henry Coleman, who a lot of people thought for a while was a favorite to go to Virginia. Virginia seemed to be... Uh, on top for a while and then Duke came in and kind of you know scooped him away it's hard to resist Duke when they come especially when they offer so much money and UVA doesn't (laughs) and that's not proven but that's how I feel and um so we'll see what Trevor Keels does you know once again Tony's been involved since pretty early on and I think that you know we have a good shot. I don't know what the crystal ball predicts for Keels, and I don't know when when he's gonna commit either. But that'll be interesting to follow because I think once Trevor Keels commits somewhere, that's really when the dominoes are gonna fall and different commits are gonna start going places. He holds a lot of sway with several programs, the three programs that he's involved in still. And so once that happens, there's gonna be other people committing, and uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of Keels, you know, he actually got three crystal balls to Duke this past week on 24-7, um, you know, two earlier this week, and then he got one actually this morning, you know, not a coincidence that it probably came right after um, the Tane Murray commitment to Mm -hmm. UVA. Uh, That said, all of them are listed as a six confidence, so there's no, no one is going out on a limb, or no one is kind of like saying, yeah, I'm really, really confident. All of these are kind of like I guess Duke would be my guess for him right now, but again, still, still a little tough to say. Uh, so certainly we're following that closely. And, you know, the big name right now or kind of the emerging name is um, also Trey Kaufman. He's more of a power mm-hmm. forward type player, 
uh, six foot eight. Right now, Virginia's battling pretty hard with uh, Indiana. Indiana also has two crystal balls um, for him. Again, both of those crystal balls are marked as a six confidence. So again, not not overly the top confident here for how that'll play out. But you know, it's it's different now. You know, for me at least, I've spent the past call it five six months really monitoring football recruiting, and now that there will still be more players to come, but now that the season is kind of about to start, you know, the coaching staff with football is going to start moving more towards focusing on games and less on recruiting for the next couple of months. So, you know, with that in mind, with this as being the first domino to fall with basketball, I think basketball um, will certainly pick up as far as recruiting news goes. And I think it's going to be a dynamic situation and one that's going to be fun to monitor um, Mm kind of here as we close out the calendar year before the early signing period. Yeah. And I just want to touch on Trey Coffin too. a really, really impressive young man, six, eight two ten, And of course, you said Indiana is the lead. He is from Indiana. So he's getting a lot of Indiana love and from Indiana and Purdue. Uh, And, you know, Indiana state is also listed as one of his, uh, his final five, but I'm not sure the, the, you know how serious that is. Um, Virginia and North Carolina round out his top five. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes as well. He's another one where if he commits somewhere, some other players would either, you know, look somewhere else to go or commit right away. I think that it's good to, um, to wait and, you know, just see what happens. I'm not a recruiting expert by any means, but I like following it, and I just follow who's got next. They they do a really great job with, with <laughs> keeping me informed about everything. So uh, make sure to follow them if you are not already on Twitter and, of course, Locker Room Access as well. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Um, a lot of great resources out there. Yeah. But who's got next is, you know, makes it easy. Everything in Makes it easy. Makes it easy <laughs> and fun and uh, keeps us informed. Rob, is there anything else you want to add, anything else that happened this week? Uh, any any uh any yells you want to give out before we go and watch some football? No, I mean, nothing really to add, man. You know, hopefully we'll see how this week plays out. Um, maybe we'll get a bit more clarity from Virginia Tech on their situation. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still excited for football. It's a frustrating start to the UVA season, but – Hey, I mean, if we can counteract that with some fun basketball news, that'll make it fun as well. Yeah, so hopefully there's more basketball news coming out soon. Hopefully we'll start to see what the plan for basketball is once the season starts. You know, I haven't heard anything about uh, delaying the season, uh, all conference seasons or anything like that, except for, of course, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten who have, you know, might – and the big, we talk about the Big Ten, they might start walking back what they said about football now. So we're going to see what happens, and we're going to see uh, – we'll keep you all informed as well. And until then, uh, thanks so much for listening. This is the Guys and Ties podcast. Rob and Dustin, always here to keep you up to date on UVA stuff. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Snapchat at Guys and Ties Pod. Go ahead and uh, follow us on iTunes and Spotify if you want to keep listening. And go check out Armchair Media as well. They've got a lot of great podcasts about all your favorite sports, football, baseball, hockey, and, of course, uh, fighting as well so go check them out and we will see you guys next time go hoos. Peace.